3: Welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is number 499. On today's show, we're talking about why woodworkers hate IKEA, MDF for a benchtop, choosing a grinder, uh, and uh, bandsaw capacity versus quality and we're also going to feature your dumb questions as always <laughs> no man it's a special feature come on man But uh, before we get to that I want to let you know that we'll talk is brought to you by Rockler Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away one of their cool convertible benchtop router tables, which can be quickly reconfigured for benchtop use, wall-mounted use, or collapsed entirely for storage or transport, or to put under Mark's bench. So if you want to send me one, that's totally fine with me. Enter for your chance to win... Before April 1st at rockler.com woodtalk. And while you're there, check out the uh, Power Plus sale, which is going on right now. Buy it all. Just buy
0: everything. Get it all. Get it all. And while you're shopping, if you want to help support the show, I'm trying to tie it together. That's not working. While you're spending money. While you're spending money, send some money our way by uh, supporting <laughs> us on Patreon. You can go to Patreon. Slash com And sign up to become a patron of the show. When you sign up, I will read your name to the best of my ability. This week, we'd like to thank Christian Neary, Derek Weslowski, Brendan Feely, Jacob Jackson, and Victor Bouches. Bouches? Okay.
1: Bouches? <laughs> Bouches? <laughs> it's like couches, but with a B. Uh, I don't know. No, I, I think that's Boucher. Yeah, come on. Really? Waterboy. Yeah,
3: nope. Eh. He doesn't get out much. That's, that's <laughs> the problem. I don't get out at all. Victor Boucher. Yep. I'm like hiding in the basement, okay? Stuck in this house all day. Anyway, well, let's get to what's on the bench. So, my mom wants a weird potato onion bread box pantry thing. I oh, think it's a bad things. idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, she's got a small condo, not a lot of storage space. And there's a couple of feet between a, a very skinny little pantry door. And the garage door. And there's like literally about 24 inches of space. So I go over there and she's like, I I have an idea for this pantry thing that I want. I said, show me where it goes. I take a look. And she literally wants to take up the space between these two doors so that when they're both open, there's like they will almost hit this pantry (laughs) thing. Uh, And it's such a small kitchen. I'm like, mom, do you really think you really want this big thing? Oh yeah, this is a very popular thing. Lots of people have this. So now... I'm designing a weird potato onion bread box pantry thing. And hmm. uh, one of the things she wants on the bottom, I guess, is like for the potatoes and the onions to have those kind of tilt out containers. You know what I mean? Like yep. it, it just. So I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to do this. I, of course, first thing I do, I go to Rockler and see if they have any uh, hardware. So they do have some of the like the Reva shelf brand tilt out mechanisms. But a lot of times those are used for that little space, uh, in front of your sink, which is typically wasted space, but you could put a little tray there for, I don't know, brushes or, you know, washy things. Uh, so I'm not sure that that's going to work. I guess I could also just kind of go with like regular hinges and come up with some kind of a stop system, which might be the, like probably the, the no frills smart way to do it. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, I don't know. So Rockler does have some good hardware there for something like that. And I might have to do that. But if anybody has feedback on this, if you've done, um, you're not going to be too big, you know, cause it can't be, there's no room for this thing in the first place. But if you've done a tilt out system like that, let me know what hardware you use, what worked for you, because uh, I'm going to have to do something like that pretty soon. Uh, the only other thing that I was working on is I did a, where are they now sort of thing, uh, with my outdoor furniture, So I went back to... Do you like that every year,
0: I feel like? Aren't we always talking about
3: your outdoor furniture? (laughs) We might always talk about it, but I've never done this kind of like review. It's a Colorado
1: thing.
2: (laughs) Rubbing it in.
3: It's just what we do here. Yeah. Uh, So so yeah, I actually have, I think about five pieces or five different things uh, that I wanted to show... You know, this has been this, this is its history and here's where it's been and here's what it looks like now. Just kind of comparing the different finishes and how they've held up. And uh, that'll, that'll be coming out soon. Uh, kind of a fun video to do though. So that's it. That's all I'm working on. Wow. Yep. Exciting stuff. Man, you only really you talk a lot longer than that. Yeah, I do. I'm giving you an opportunity to spread your wings and fly. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be
0: the, this like. This is your moment, Matt. Oh, okay, Fine. Except we talked, most of the things I was going to talk about in this one that we talked about last time as part mm-hmm. of Rocklear's ad in the last episode. Okay, uh, So I'm working on my serpentine chest of drawers. I've been working on this uh, integral bead detail. And uh, I've been using my uh, routers at the workbench as like a router table, like baby router tables. Hmm. Which, hmm.
3: I mean. Sounds like you need a convertible benchtop router
0: table. Feels like <laughs> I do. I feel like.
3: Maybe this is the new thing that maybe Rockler should have. Yeah. Maybe people could win one if they went to rockler.com slash woodtalk. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really not to, not to be goofy about it, but like we talked about on the last show, I do think that's a pretty handy thing to have around.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm just doing like a integral bead on this uh, curvy front uh, chest, I guess. So these are the, -hmm. the, uh, the drawer dividers and gonna get a bead detail around them the bead i think uh, like you do like enough pieces of furniture and you start looking at these things and you realize why they're there besides the fact that it's ornamentation is Mm -hmm. they break up that front facade because they are Mm -hmm. like flush inset but with that bead there if everything's not perfect you have no idea yeah if you didn't have the bead there and the dividers were in the same plane as all the drawer fronts if the drawer fronts were a little bit out of curvature versus the dividers you notice, but the um, bead, it makes it a little bit harder to see that.
3: Yeah. That's yeah, a good point. It's a
1: little cheat. It's a it little really shadow cheat. line. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole idea between like reveals, you know, when mm-hmm. you have like an eighth inch reveal between a leg and an apron. Yep. That's just to hide imperfections. Yep. <laughs> so you, you said this is an integral bead. So you're not like adding a cock bead, like a traditional, you know.
0: No, I'm not doing cock that. I don't, I don't like in. the cock bead because then it hides the dovetails. Oh, you guys are killing me here. You're welcome.
2: I'm holding it in. Oh, it's
0: so,
2: I think it's so the, hard.
0: I think the cock bead makes more sense if you're doing like a like a bent lamination or something like that, where you're oh, <laughs> or if you're just laminating.
2: Or like you're laminating Feel a mark. Feel face.
0: mark. Just
1: dying.
2: Is <laughs> oh,
0: the secondary material? Because then the cock bead hides all the <laughs> plies and all the layering behind it, so it, it breaks that up. If you have, a, I'm doing a solid. Uh, sawn drawer front, so I don't need the cock bead to hide mm-hmm. any of my sins
3: Matt, mm. I just can't wait to see your curvy chest and cock bead.
0: Oh, there's no cock bead. I'm not using there's no co- No, no, bead. There, no, no cock, cock bead. bead. Just just okay. a bead integral bead Regular bead minus the cock. No, no cock. No cock beading on this one.
1: All right. It is what it is Is, <laughs> is it? oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm just i'm just a glutton for punishment i know i shouldn't but is the is the bead actually proud of the f- the front of the drawer blade or yes. is it just it in is. line okay so it is proud so are, are, what are you like routing out the the middle i guess of the yeah, blade
0: i used uh so most people i guess traditionally would carve that out mm-hmm. uh i used a, a, a uh a rabbiting bit kind of setup mm-hmm, okay. where i had the, the guide bearing and then the uh the bit. I use a different guide bearing to set the cut depth to be at the very deepest that the router bit for the bead would cut. So I didn't have any cleanup work to do or any chiseling work to do between the two upper and lower beads.
1: Right, and then that keeps your dovetail kind of recessed and out of the way as well. It's kind of yes, cool. and
0: then the dovetail itself, like the slide dovetail, is back behind the bead detail essentially. Right. Nice
1: yeah, yeah. You forgive then, me dear audience for wanting to talk about woodworking <laughs> i was curious
0: <laughs> you ruined it man
3: i know, I know. People I know. Are listening to the show for information <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only uh i guess different uh, trick i guess with it is that the the bead on the case sides the vertical one is going to be applied to make it a little yeah. bit easier
1: okay mm. applied cock bead mark
3: yeah yeah come <laughs> for the information stay for the cock bead that's <laughs> what i always
0: say I mean,
3: uh, I don't know who came the show up title with these if woodworking I've ever heard names. One right there.
0: <laughs> there's so many <laughs> ridiculous wor- words in in woodworking, like, uh, like butt. Yeah, <laughs> butt. You can do better. Ba- you can do better stuff. than
1: that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like butt. Okay, that was anticlimactic.
0: <laughs> I was yeah, trying to <laughs> think of like because there's, there's a lot of like goofy things that like had those kind of innuendo things that people like laugh about, like you know, ha uh-huh, butt joke, uh, butt, ch- mm-hmm. butt joint, and you know, butt chisel and butt whatever. And then they get on the other the other front on the front yeah. side the cock bead,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> hardwood cock bead. I'm I'm just not going. I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> I'm just
1: waiting for this to end.
0: Yeah, please, let it be <laughs> please, or. please be over. Please make it end.
1: All right. Well, then I guess I'll take take it from there. Unless you have more to talk about your cock oh, bead,
0: Matt. You can take the cock bead from here. That's fine. Take the <laughs> okay, cock bead cut. and run with it.
1: <laughs> so I I ran into an interesting problem. I'm I'm starting a um. I never know. Is it a sideboard? Is it a hunt board? Is it a credenza? Whatever. It's a sideboard. I'm calling it a sideboard. And, um, it's all out of cherry. And Mm -hmm. I, I feel like in the, in the last probably five years or so, I've gotten to be really picky about grain and color match when I build something. So I'm really focused on like trying to like, I buy all my lumber at the same time or I get all my lumber at the same time. And I, I get everything is, you know, as few boards as possible. So you get the best grain and color match. And I usually end up with like, you know, half a board left over or one board left over and it goes in the shed. Well, I've gotten to the point now where I still have a lot of cherry. Like I probably bought uh, two or 3000 board feet of cherry when I started working at McElvain and I've kind of added to it over the years. But what's happened is those extra boards that I didn't use have ended up in the shed. So when I go to the shed, I look and I go, okay, I've got a lot of cherry, but like none of them match. Yep. It's like crap.
0: Yep. crap. <laughs> it's it's, so it's I, even worse when you try and make all your furniture out of one tree. Then you have like right. one board left over. Like, I don't want them to do what I'm going to do with this.
2: <laughs>
1: well, n- now, now add 10 years to that. And you're like, so. <laughs> son of a, like, I have a lot of cherry. I mean, I love working with cherry, but trying to get like just the right, you know, cause it's a bunch of drawers and I want the, the grain. I'm not going like, you know, like Matt, where I've got the drain, the grain running all the way across the drawers. I can't quite do that, but still I'm trying to get that nice mix. And then I'm trying to find a good top. Cause this thing is going to be 72 inches long and I got nothing. Like, I have so much cherry, and it's all 70 inches, 68 inches, 40 inches. And I realize I can redo my design and I may end up doing that. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I want it 72 inches long because that's what fits proportionally. So, like, I'm going to have to go buy cherry. And I, sh- I should actually take a picture of my cherry in the shed and post it because it's ridiculous. There's probably 2000 board feet of cherry in my shed and Jeez. none of it works. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, man. Like I, I got to, I'm almost like this needs to, I got to figure this out. Like I can't go buy more cherry. I got to make this work. It'll be a, a, a you know, uh, a, an exercise in using creative grain and color, but geez, it was really upsetting. <laughs> And I think at the time, like you build a project and there's that one board and you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be screwed. I'm, I'm going to need to build a small project that only that board needs. And then another year goes by and you've added another board and another board. <laughs> like, this is terrible. So I know like <laughs> no one, no one is going to feel bad for me in this particular instance. I feel, bad, now, for you. I feel bad for you. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things. Now that I, I really focus on this and it's like one of my favorite parts of a, of a project, starting a project is getting that telling the story with the grain in the color and getting it working. It, and I just, I can't not do that now. So it's like pulling out the boards, I'm laying on my bench and I was like, None of this works. This looks terrible. I can't do this. <laughs> Put it all back in the shed. And I'm going to go buy once more Once you've cherry. been
0: spoiled with like stuff that matches. Yeah. Never, yeah. Never absolutely. go back again. Yeah. Absolutely. I've lived that struggle.
1: Yeah. It's tough to turn that off. So yeah, that that's, I, I spent like an entire shop session going through my boards and trying to make it work. And I ended up putting them all back. <laughs> so I got nowhere, but frustrated. So yeah. And
3: meanwhile, you're going to go buy more. And then make yep. more short scrap.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's what I like need to do is done. probably saw it up into veneers and make shaker boxes out of them. There you go.
0: Yeah. You are small projects. You mean me both. Or I just got to get rid of some of this stuff. I got too much.
3: Yep. People will take it off your hands for sure. Okay. <laughs> no doubt. Community stuff. Uh, so I put up a post about dumb questions recently. The reason this happened was because I received a question that was almost a little It's at the point when you get a lot of questions, you know, you try not to be cynical about things. I always want to help people, but some questions kind of transcend the others where you go like, why did they even ask me this? So I made a joke about it, like with Matt and Shannon. And then in the, in the discussion that we had, it was like, you know what though? It would be nice if we can actually give people an opportunity to without judgment and maybe only a few jokes Give us a question that they've been wanting to ask that they kind of feel embarrassed to ask. Like, here's your opportunity. Ask us. Ask us any question. So the post was like, "No dumb questions," and I invited people to ask. Now I should have known better because people who listen say. to, like pe- people who listen to this show, they're not here for information. They're we've we've
0: They're not here for information.
3: Come they on. are like-minded people who found the first part of the show funny for some reason. So. <laughs> so the responses I received lots of them you know how many real legitimate questions I got out of like I don't know 50 <laughs> responses yeah, I think a pretty good one should have been like what's a cock bead? that would have been a good one well it will be the next time we ask this kind of question <laughs> I had one one serious question which we will get to uh, in the meantime I'm going to pick a couple of the highlights from the no dumb questions post uh, Paul Jackman you guys know him he plays with pallets and has a big head <laughs> he says <laughs> yeah by body weight what percentage of cremona is hair it's a pretty good question mm. i don't know if we've ever really oh, you know, are we done the math to, are we supposed that. to answer these or are they just like no, no no we don't <laughs> have
0: to we could pause
3: and think about it for a bit uh zach's wood studio says what is wood please only shannon is allowed to answer it's <laughs> a good one
1: uh, a series of right. cellulose fibers held in a lignin matrix
3: Okay, there you go. Uh, so Cal Cheese <laughs> says, why doesn't Shannon have a project in the guild? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a theme. If you look at all the instructors, not one of them has an online, well, one of them might soon, or kind of does. Uh, but <laughs> if, if the person already has a place where they are able to teach and sell projects, I don't feel inclined to do that with them. So it's nothing against Shannon. He has his own business that he runs where he makes premium content and sells it to people. It would be, it just feels weird to do that in the guild you know that's the reason why that's actually a serious
1: answer i have made cameo appearances that's true if you look the ben, if, uh, if you look you'll you'll find me in the rubo video in the rubo yep that's right yeah i think never, if i did an all hand tool project the guild members would like run me out of town yeah <laughs> like,
3: maybe spinning I know. Might, and chase me they might actually like it uh moxie rising says what's the best axe to use when chopping ebony boards for firewood <laughs> mm. that's
0: good i like a big one
3: uh-huh. Uh huh. Z- zassim Zas- uh, What happened to Matt to make him such a jerk? Follow up question: <laughs> Is there any hope for Matt?
0: I think I think it like happened right around the time like uh, I met Mark. Yeah, he was nice.
3: Never and meet your him. <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: that say, the truth. Matt, Matt used to be like soft spoken and and you know very agreeable. I think yeah. the show made him a jerk.
0: That's probably that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. trying to hang uh, with you guys. All right. And last one here is from Matt screen. He says, why are they called hand planes when they don't fly? Mm. Pretty good. That's a, that's okay. A deep so serious one. question we got from, it is uh cat. Cappy K six says, how much is too much to try to use a planer to remove? At what point do you resaw versus planing down to your final thickness? That's a, and I had to question. read it twice just to make sure I tried to make sure it wasn't a joke. Like, by the time I read all the jokes, I'm like, this can't be a real (laughs) question. There has to be a joke in here somewhere. Yeah, but there was no joke in there. So, actually, thank you, Cappy. Thank
1: you. That's a really good question.
3: (laughs) Thank you for
0: actually playing along.
3: So, do you guys have a number for
0: that? I mean, the
1: simple
3: answer is
0: how much do I want the offcut? Yeah. Yeah. Or do I want it at all? Or is it going to go on the shelf? I've think if the I played cut, that game where I'm like, oh, I'll just resell this and I'll use this veneer thing for something. Psh, yeah. Never, never, <laughs> yeah. never. I think it's like I start thinking about
3: it when the offcut is a quarter inch or more. And then I start thinking like you are like, wait a minute, am I actually going to use that? Am I just going to keep it around for two years until I get frustrated and throw it away? Uh, like, what am I going to do with it? So, yeah, I think quarter inch is where I start thinking about it. But then whether you actually listen to your that little voice inside your head or you just go and plane it is going to be up to you like on a personal level
1: yeah I does mean, it does it quarter how does inch that is pushing it for me. by hand like yeah i mean a quarter inch there's no way i wouldn't think twice about keeping that off cut unless maybe it was ebony you know i mean the really really exotic super species expensive. you know even then, what am I going to do with a quarter inch thick piece of? E- I guess I can make splines out of or something like that. But you know, yeah. I wouldn't have a big piece of ebony to start with, so it's mm-hmm. not like I'd have a big off cut. So I suppose I might keep it there. But when I get below a half inch, not interested because first mm-hmm. of all, it's going to like potato chip. You know, a thin piece like that is just going to completely warp if you leave it alone. Um, if it's too thin to make like a drawer bottom or a drawer side out of it doesn't, doesn't have a place in my shop. It, it, mm-hmm. it gets planed into tiny little chips. Um, yeah. If it, the other thing is, is how much time am I really saving? Um, you know, by resawing or by planing, sometimes resawing is actually faster, you know, to, to remove that thickness. Um, but I don't know. I tend to, yeah, I guess depending sometimes. on the size
3: of the the board. Yeah. And to me, the funny thing is one of the factors that I consider with this is how fast is it going to fill up the bin? And now I have to empty <laughs> it. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so it's a lot better to turn it into a full piece of of garbage than right. a bunch of small chips and uh, dust.
1: It is, it is <laughs> shocking how fast it'll fill up too. Like yeah. especially on a wide planer. Like I ran a twenty inch board through my twenty inch planer the other day. Oh, Holy, yeah. crap. Jeez, Holy crap! Holy yes. crap! You take a sixteenth off of a twenty inch board, and it's like the bag is like half full. You're like wow! Oh, yeah. <laughs> how did oh, that that's happen? crazy!
3: Wow. Well, you know who uh, who else's bags are always full? <laughs> Rockler?
1: Rockler, maybe.
3: I'm not sure which bags we're talking about, but sure. I don't know. I have no idea anymore. Uh, Rockler wants to let you know that they've got 37 retail stores across the country. That's a lot. Uh, when you stop by a store, you'll find exclusive Rockler Innovations, an extensive lumber selection including plywood and slabs, hard-to-find hardware, finishing supplies, power tools, and more, Rockler's retail experts can help you answer your woodworking questions. Uh, you can also sign up for a class. I've taken classes at Rockler before, uh, topics ranging from wood turning to cabinet making to power tool basics. Find a store near you at Rockler.com. And uh, have you been to
0: your local Rockler store anytime recently, Matt? Yes, yes, I have. What'd you have to go get? I bought the um, I made those epoxy picture frame things, uh, and I bought the um, the hardware for the back. The little I don't know, what are they call like the retention spinner things
1: mm-hmm. on the back uh, of picture the re- frames
0: the holder hoochies yeah those the hoochie things the, yeah. yeah the hoochie mm-hmm. things the hoochie things yeah yeah about okay. those things little little things okay cool
3: uh i actually went there recently to get no i didn't go i sent john because <laughs> when you have an assistant that's what you can do uh we needed powder like a uh, white powder mica powder to mix in with epoxy for sure. an epoxy inlay that kind of white powder
1: yes <laughs> Come on. That's, Come on. Now. That's that's behind the Rockler store in the alley. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's a different uh, whole different place so they had a couple different (laughs) varieties of this stuff that we were able to test out like some had a little bit more silver some was a little pearlescent but something that i normally wouldn't have even thought about rockler for necessarily uh went to the website and i was like oh okay they do carry this and the thing was i needed it soon and uh ordering it online was not going to be an option Uh, so thankfully they had exactly what we needed so always always a treat to go there even though i now send john to go there (laughs) (laughs) good stuff so anyway uh if you have if you're lucky enough to have one of those 37 stores near you you got to stop by it's great like all the stuff we talk about their rockler exclusives and the things that they create fantastic stuff and it's all there on display you can get your hands on it uh before you know making the purchase it's a it's a great little candy store for woodworkers big candy store i want a rockler store
0: yeah maybe let's go tomorrow i don't know go check it out man feeling the feeling the vibe the vibe now yeah stop it, just hang high.
3: out amongst hang out amongst the regulars oh yeah meet some people shake some hands
0: shine touch anybody <laughs>
3: <laughs> dude you know what a- awfs sent us a survey about uh covid and comfort levels and i guess they're looking to like gauge people's responses if they're ready to do something like awfs oh yeah uh and nicole filled it out and it's like nope Nope. nope. Uh-uh. Nope. Hard pass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every question, nope. Yeah, maybe not maybe not this year. Maybe next year. Okay. So, let's get to emails and voicemails. Okay. This is kind of a group question from Hans Nystrom. This is about Ikea and design. He says, I have a small woodworking shop where I build guitars, small furniture, and basically anything people want me to build as long as I get paid. Every time I design something, I am amazed at how complicated the simplest thing can get. So many aspects to every project, design, materials, available tools, process, finish, lots of interdependencies. Now, here's my question. Why is it that woodworkers in general sneer or look down on Ikea? Imagine your own five last woodwork projects. If you had to design them, to fit transportation, safety standards, and being assembled by any random idiot, and hold on to 30 years of abuse, it makes things a bit more complicated, right? Isn't this something that we woodworkers should be impressed and awed by? It would be interesting to hear your views on the subject. I guess Matt has already bought into the concept with the workbench (laughs) kits and chair kits. Okay. So I can only speak from a limited perspective on Ikea. Nicole and I did buy Ikea furniture early on, uh, probably even before we were married when we were living in an apartment in California. Um, you know, because it was inexpensive. Uh, it was a cool place to go just to shop. And that was actually, I would say pre woodworker days. I wasn't really building furniture at the time. Uh, and they served their purpose. What I, what I found though, and maybe this is where my knowledge isn't recent enough. Other people who who shop at Ikea more recently might be able to uh, chime in on this. I, I found that the, the things can't really survive a move. Uh, and that's where the problem was with the sort of cam hardware that everything was held together with. It doesn't take stress very well. So when I read the part where he says a design that will last for 30 years of abuse, I had things mm-hmm. that didn't survive a move, let alone 30 years of abuse. So have things sh- like have either of you bought anything from Ikea more recently to, to say that they have gotten better with stuff like that?
1: Hmm, not recently. Nothing yeah. like
2: that. No what, what's interesting
1: stuff. is I, I actually like going to Ikea because from a design perspective, I love it. Like mm-hmm. that style of design, that Danish modern look is very clean. I get a lot of inspiration actually just by walking through IKEA. I do know that they have improved; they've gotten a lot more into solid wood and some other stuff, and they've actually developed CNC. Has helped them create joinery mm-hmm. that is a lot stronger where it's needed, like yeah. in dining tables and things. But bookcases, casework, it's still the same. You know, it's using cam hardware design to be put together. And I've had, I had IKEA bookcases in my laundry room up until I remodeled what. Couple months ago, they were there for probably ten years, and they didn't move, and they were fine, but they were sagging like crazy. Yeah. Like in yeah. the minute, and because they were all stacked side by side up against a wall, they were basically like holding each other up. <laughs> Once I started taking one out, it's like yeah. things started to go all to hell there because the the fiber board, the melamine, um, it just it doesn't stand up to the the sagging of of static weight over time. And you're right; those little the knockdown hardware. You know, it's, it's a steel pin going into particle board. Yeah. The particle board's going to decay over it, time. So you can
3: only do so much.
1: Yeah. But from a design perspective, I mean, the bookcase, I mean, <laughs> what else, what else am I going to do to that bookcase? The fact mm-hmm. that they design it, that it packs flat and you can fit it in your car and any schmo and pick it up and, and put it together. Yeah. I think that's actually brilliant. But no, I don't think anybody's going to IKEA from a durability perspective.
3: I think anybody who sits and thinks about it and and if you look at it from that perspective, all the things that have to go right for a design to make it down the path to eventually ending up in an Ikea store, uh, it is amazing and it is a lot of work and there's a lot of smart people making that happen. But when you're building furniture yourself and you look at you know knockdown furniture and what you know the, the sort of drawbacks of that can be and how many people go there because it's popular and they put this stuff in their houses, that's where that sort of judgmental side of things comes into play because we build better furniture. I don't know that we design better furniture or that we could do a better job than Ikea can at selling Ikea furniture. I don't think any of us could, but (laughs) we could say, we could say that, yes, we could build better furniture than they sell at Ikea. And I think that's just where it's just a judgmental thing, you know, looking, looking down your nose a little bit at
0: things like that. If Um, anything, when I go there, I'm just (coughs) impressed that they can actually sell that product for as cheap as they do. Yeah. Yeah. Given like how much went into producing it and how much overhead they have in the facility of that building. Mm -hmm. Like I started thinking about the business side of it. I'm like, this is impressive.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's something to be awed by for sure. If anybody has perspectives on the quality side of things, has that changed anything like that? Just uh, shoot us a voicemail or something. We'll we'll play it as a kickback in a future show. I think the
0: only Uh, Ikea furniture we have is a couch and as apparent, it's fantastic because it has the removable covers. So the nice. the idea is that like you can change the color of the couch whenever you want. No, mm-hmm. you, you can literally wash it whenever you want. You could clean all the crap off of it. Oh it's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Just throw in the wash, done. It's nice nice and perfect again. Cool. Sounds good. That's all good.
3: right. So I, I got like a voicemail that. here. Uh, this is from Steve, the chemistry teacher.
2: Hey, Wood Talk. I am a chemistry teacher by day and journeyman woodworker by night and by extension summer break. So I built myself a workbench and I put two slabs of MDF on top when I was building it as I framed it out to have a nice flat surface. Now, I didn't know about woodworking when I built this. So I didn't know that all the cool benches for, plane, for hand planes and things like that have holes in them where you can put in little pegs. Um, or this thing also that I'm um, finding out uh, a router system that I want to get a router lift that I can also put onto my workbench. So my question is, can I use MDF material, keep it the same on the top of my workbench, add a router lift system, drill the holes um, for all the pegs, and do that type of stuff, maybe even add a T-track system so I can have a router fence and then all of the fancy Rockler Things that go on top of mdf your expertise would be much appreciated thanks for all that you do yeah
3: it's the best ending ever yeah yeah so uh maybe you guys feel differently about this but i actually think it's it's fine right we're not looking at like the best case scenario here but it sounds like he already built it so why not just use it i do think dog holes over time in mdf you'll start to get some compression there and you might not get as, you know, they'll start to dig in, especially if it's like a round dog hole with that little wire that kind of sits on the side that applies the pressure that'll start to wear a groove into it. Like stuff will happen, but I don't know that it's deal breaker level stuff. Things will still work. And maybe by the time that actually does become a problem, you'll be ready to build a different workbench anyway, and a new top, um, you know, regarding the router table. Well, if you take a lot of the laminate router table tops that are sold commercial routers and you cut that thing in half, you know, you're probably going <laughs> to see, you're yeah. probably going to see a double layer of MDF or a very thick piece of MDF. Um, it's a very heavy, flat, dense material., uh, definitely, you could have some issues uh, sagging around it. Uh, the lift, if you have a lot of uh, weight on there with a big, heavy router, there are ways to also reinforce it in that area with some cleats underneath to help avoid some of that sagging. Um, so I think you've already got this thing, man. I would just move forward, uh, you know, bore some holes in there for some dogs, uh, you know, get the template for your your router plate to to drop in there. I think you're fine. Move yeah. forward, March on.
1: Yeah, and if nothing else, like, and if it fails on you, you've learned some really useful stuff. Like that mm-hmm. works in your your prototype. Just call it that. You're yeah. working on your prototype right now. Yep. Good stuff. This mm. is uh, an email from, Eson. He says, I've got a bunch of fancy hand tools from Lee Nielsen and their competition up in Canada, Um, but I also have a diamond plate, a bunch of Shafton stones, an MK2 guy, a leather strop. I can do an okay job sharpening, but the secondary bevel on some of my planes is getting pretty large. So my question is, how do you guys think I should reestablish the primary bevel? I've been looking at Tormac since it seems to be a for sure method, but I'm not excited about the price tag, all that water and the slow process. I also looked into the slow grinders but after buying a cbn wheel and a wolverine guide the price is too much not too much cheaper than the tormec what do you guys think should i get me a piece of float glass some sandpaper call it a day i don't have a lathe yet but i may get a lathe and turning tools in the future so i, I really i picked this question because i actually own a tormec and then i also have um a grinder and granted mine's a hand crank grinder and that has nothing to do with power tools it's just the way the way that i sharpen but the reason for that is the tormac is slow but the tormac i think he puts it well a for sure method the the jigs and the system that is tormac is pretty brilliant and it will basically make any idiot any chimpanzee be able to actually i know a lot of smart chimpanzees Actually no I don't. I don't know any chimpanzees. I don't He's know like, why I do say You know?
0: That.
1: <laughs> liar. I've you heard of any many smart chimpanzees. I know I know a lot of people who are not as smart as chimpanzees. How about that? I think but, some people would say this show is hosted by 3 of them. <laughs> just very 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 likely.
3: Very intelligent
1: um, monkeys. The the point is is I do have turning tools and I bought my Tormek originally because it was like, oh, this is going to solve all my sharpening problems. I kind of learned my own way of sharpening, and I never use the Tormek except for my turning tools. It is fantastic, you know, for putting crazy grinds on bowl gouges and things like that, and that's pretty much the only reason I have it. I probably wouldn't buy it again. I would probably find another way. Um, but I have the Tormac. I'm not going to sell it because I do still use it for turning tools. But when it comes to like your regular tools and, and reestablishing that bevel, this process does not have to be nearly as exact as people think it does. So, uh, I would go with a regular grinder. I wouldn't even go with a slow speed grinder. I would just go with a grinder, something that you can get. That's inexpensive. focus on getting a good wheel, a cool running wheel. Um, You know, those CBN wheels are pretty cool, but yeah, they're expensive. You know, if you get a wheel like even the Norton 3X wheels that uh, run a little bit cooler, use a dressing tool to put a camber or a slight curve on that wheel. So you're not grinding across the full width of the wheel, but you're grinding in more of a pinpoint. You can actually get a, you know, refresh your edges very quickly with very little heat buildup. And I think that's the key is you're not spending a bunch of time on the grinder. Um, It's very little actual elapsed time. So there's not that much time to heat things up. You've reestablished that bevel. If the bevel is not absolutely perfect because you're using a secondary bevel or a micro bevel, whatever you want to call it, that's what has to be perfect. You're just moving steel out of the way. So if the edge is not absolutely perfectly straight and square, well, you've got a honing guide and that will help do that. Now you want to get close. You know, if you're 20 degrees off square. Well, that's going to take some time, but, and, and if you're worried about that, grab a square and a Sharpie and strike a line across the back of your plane and just work to the line. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing how close you can get by eye. I don't use any kind of jigs. I have the, the tool rest on my grinder. And that's one of the reasons that I have a hand crate grinder now, because it's just so much easier. I don't have to like plug stuff in and I'm, I'm not really needing all the extra accessories. If I had a regular power grinder, I wouldn't have any of those fancy, um, rests and things like that on it because the grinder is truly rough work. I'm not actually creating my edge there. I'm just setting a bevel kind of getting steel out of the way and my stones do the actual sharpening work. So mm-hmm. um, I, I tend to think that it's oh, people overthink it a little too much. Like they're trying to get to the finished product with a grinder and that's not really the purpose of the grinder unless I suppose you're talking about turning tools. Cause I know a lot of turners who go straight from the grinder back to the lathe. Um, and that can be, you know, a, a very good way to do that. Plus you're talking mm-hmm. about high speed steel, kind of a different, different um, beast altogether. So I, you know, I would say the answer to his question is get a grinder, but don't worry about all the other stuff and, and try it for a while. Grinders are not expensive, right? I haven't bought one in a while, but I don't no, think they're yeah, very I mean, expensive. In, in the
3: world of power tools, it's, it's, you know, not too expensive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's my, you know, the my funny thing
3: sense. is you're talking about squareness and I'm like, well, wait a minute. He has the Veritas Mark II guide. It's not yep. going to be square anyway. <laughs> 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 That's a good oh, point. Oh, I forgot right. about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know not to throw shade but yeah but, but they're I mean, never anyway, gonna sponsor us anyway they're, they're not square but uh well. i don't know why but they're not okay
0: it's more of a sheer angle anyway whose kid was that uh, i think it's one of mine i, I have never so know many. i can never tell which scream or whose I house so the screams many. are coming from <laughs> uh <clears throat> yeah good stuff that's, that's my life you know what's interesting is i actually just did this uh last night i have the uh the triton slow speed whatever the wet grinder basically the, mm-hmm. basically the tormac it's quick mm-hmm. i mean i i had a couple of chisels i'm like i want to use for the uh um, serpentine chest i'm like you know i need to get these back into shape because like two of them i had dropped and like a corner was missing like yeah. it doesn't work as well anymore it's pretty quick just <laughs> to like bring the actual edge back and then you can go to the stones yeah. from there
3: you know once you get into the system like that tormac style wet grinder is pretty darn nice like I, oh I, yeah i I have one and I never use it, but every time I do use it, it, it like, it's gotta be an event because you got to fill the trough with water and it's oh to yeah. set right. it up. And then it the still soaks thing. it
0: up and then you got to fill it up like four more times. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. A, it, it, you know, and <laughs> it's, you know, it's <laughs> a,
3: and, you know it I
1: think that's it. If like in a, like a school shop or something where there's a lot of sharpening going on, I could see that because there's like no learning curve, you know, yeah. tighten it onto the jig, stick it on the, like thread it onto the, the, the arm and bam, you're off to the races. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, sharpening for me is so not an event. It's like, it's, it, it happens in 10 seconds and I'm back to work type thing. So yeah, the Tormac yeah. just doesn't fit that workflow.
0: But to your, mm-hmm. to your point, I, w- I was trying to get to this is, uh, I didn't have the, um, whatever the jig that holds it at whatever angle and pivots on the post mm-hmm. thing because I have it out in the shed or in the, in the barn. I'm like, Adam, I don't feel like going to get it. So I freehanded
1: it. And mm-hmm. guess what? It worked just fine. It worked just fine. Yeah. <laughs> look at you. Funny how that works. I mean, funny. and this is what I wonder: like, when people talk about burning an edge, like, do you just fall asleep? Like, you just doze off while you're at the grinder. I mean, you gotta really hang on, like, press into that stone for a long time to to, to pull the the temper out. It's like hanging you know, on. I just <laughs> right, just kind of lean into a it a white, little bit. A and, white
0: knuckling this chisel here. I ain't letting go.
1: Uh, I'm gonna catch up on my wood talk episodes while I just <laughs> lean on the grinder a little bit. You know, well, he does
0: have three
3: young kids. He's really tired. That's true. Grinding is my nap time.
0: Yeah. It is true. I fall asleep <laughs> with a grinder. It helps me cope. <laughs> Alright, this next one is from Ryan. It says, uh, hey guys, uh, I discovered the show a few weeks ago and have been b- binging. Binging. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sound it out, man. I like, Sound, Sound it, it out. It's,
0: it's like binging. I'm like, why? why? Like,
2: you go to Bing, oh you God. search it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> binging it. Nope. Binging it. That's <laughs> not even like late. That's like the best part. It's like, <laughs>
1: oh God. Oh, I guess. It's isn't that what you do when,
3: isn't that what you do when you go over to the Google competitor to do searches?
0: You're, <laughs> yes. You're binging yeah. it instead of Googling it. They, they try to make that cool in an ad yeah. campaign a few years ago, but
3: yeah, nobody's binging it anything. kind of works
0: for me because it's still kind of stuck yeah. a little bit in my subconscious. Uh, keep it up. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on a question about bandsaws. I'm getting ready to upgrade my small Delta bandsaw, and I'm deciding between two bandsaws with similar price points but different uh, capacities. Mm. One is a Grizzly 17-inch saw, and the other is a, a Laguna 14-inch saw. My question is, is the extra capacity of the Grizzly worth the supposedly lower quality of a saw? Do you remember a time when you... When you all wait, hold on! Wow, do you remember a time when all you had was a fourteen-inch bandsaw and thought, "Dang, if I only had three extra inches!" Oh, every day. I'm not saying that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that every day. That's where that one's going? Uh so I have a fourteen-inch saw, and that's what I've had since I got like a real bandsaw, I guess. So like, I had the same like kind of upgrade. I went from a um, a benchtop bandsaw and that I couldn't get to cut straight or I couldn't get to cut through anything. Uh, to a uh, a 14-inch saw, which I have now. a uh, Totally different experience. So I think regardless of which way you go with this, uh, going from a little baby saw to something like that's a little more substantial is going to be a night and day difference. So I don't think you'd be unhappy with either direction. I t- I don't have experience with either of these products, so I- I'm hesitant to really like throw some shade at, at Grizzly, saying that it's going to be lower quality just based off of that. Uh, but I will say that one of the kind of disadvantages, at least on the 14 inch bands that I have, I have the Rycon, is that table size could be a little bit more substantial. So if you get some bigger work pieces on there, it gets kind of annoying because you have to really support the work piece over the table. And if you get some bigger stuff, having a little bit bigger table and some more real estate there, uh, could help. So if the bigger, the 17 inch saw has a slightly bigger table, that could be a nice benefit besides the fact that you can get three extra inches in the throat. Uh probably both these saws have likely the same resaw capacity. They're probably around twelve inches or somewhere around there. So I don't think that's at least for me, the resaw capacity is more important most of the time than the throat depth. Um a little bit more throat depth is kind of nice sometimes, but I don't think it's that all that important for most people's work, unless you're cutting like, I don't know what you're cutting against the uh the throat because you can always go to the other side and cut outside the saw but then again you're not on the table so I don't know you guys have any thoughts on bandsaw sizes assuming let's let's just assume they have the same quality just for the sake of okay I have no I have no I don't I don't know any both these products at all now I
3: I like the capacity in in the throat I I maybe do things a little bit differently or
0: depend on the saw what things you try to stick in the throat? throat
3: um big you know pieces of plywood
1: so oh, let's say plywood. I've got a plywood a on NASA, is that allowed? Uh
3: <laughs> I got stuff to cut. I got tools to cut them. <laughs> I'm Maybe that's plywood. why your blades
1: keep snapping. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Plywood.
3: That's it. Uh, but if I like drew a shape on a piece of plywood and I'm trying to cut things out, there are times where I'm you know maneuvering things around, cutting curves, and it's nice to have that extra real estate to the left of the blade to like be able to navigate stuff. If I only had the 14 inch, I'd be you know just running into that thing constantly. Um, you know, also with it with depending on the fence that you have, the fence itself is going to take up, eat up some of that space in the throat. So if you have a good, you know, decent quality fence that has some, you know, girth to it, uh, that will eat up some of that space. So I like to be able to have the best of both worlds, have the extra room, but also have a fence that's, you know, that's worth a damn. Um, so I don't know. I kind of, I really like the extra throat, uh, depth and I don't use the extra resaw capacity, the vertical capacity quite as much.
0: Well, there you go. No good answer.
3: <laughs> One <Do a lot laughs> of us know what the heck we're talking about. <laughs>
0: I think that the the fence thing for sure is a big concern because if you, if you add that in suddenly your rip capacity is like that much smaller. Mm -hmm. So on my, on my side, like if Mm -hmm. I had the fence there, I can only rip to like 11, I think Mm -hmm. somewhere around there.
1: Right. No, that is a good point. Well, in general,
0: the table
3: is, you know, the, the throat, it's going to depend on the the specific models, but sometimes the just total size, even front to back, or would it be side to side on a bandsaw? Uh, But either way, Having that extra support, there are times where I'm cutting, you know, six foot long, eight quarter boards, and it's nice to have the extra support, not to always have to set up, uh, you know, some kind of supplemental support or roller stands. So the bigger that table is, the more comfortable I am maneuvering larger
0: pieces on it, which is kind of why I gravitate to that larger table. Yeah. I've been thinking about actually, uh, getting a new bandsaw and that's kind of the biggest thing is the table mm-hmm. size, just having some more room, like, or even like the difference be- between the table saw and the bandsaw is the fact that you can like. Have stuff on the table while you're working. Yeah. With the bandsaw, like with the size of the table, it's like the work piece and that's it. Mm-hmm. No if other I, stuff.
3: When I I remember when uh, I was at David Mark's shop, he had a 36-inch, I believe it was, a 36-inch Minimax in his shop. It was massive. Like imagine the kind of real estate you get on a cabinet table saw, but apply that to a bandsaw setup, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Like you could sleep on it. It was yeah, that big. Kind of <laughs> wish that.
0: Well, I have the uh, the forty two inch saw at my warehouse, and uh, that can't go anywhere until I have you know like ten foot ceilings. Yeah, So I can't actually stand it up in this shop still. So. Right. But I know exactly what you're talking about. the The table on that bandsaw is bigger than my table saw.
2: <laughs> like bigger awesome. than that.
0: It's like, it is so much space, but so cool. You know, what's on the table at the warehouse crap. So it's like, Work it's exactly kits. the same <laughs> coffee mugs, chair kits, chair kit. There are chair, chair parts on it. I have all the armchairs, uh, armrests on there. Oh, there you go. It's yeah. not
3: going to waste then.
0: <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> it, I think at, at essence, really the question that Ryan's is, or the thing that Ryan is struggling with is here's a bigger saw, but it's grizzly. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I've had great experience with Grizzly tools. And I know like the reputation, everybody knows that reputation Grizzly, but I mean, I've got a Grizzly planer right now and I'm perfectly happy with it. And it, God, what is it? Six years old now? Something like that. I mean, I had a Grizzly bandsaw before I had a Grizzly joiner in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I've never had a problem, um, with the stuff. In fact, I look at my Grizzly saw my Grizzly planer, 20 inch planer. And I look at the Powermatic 20 inch planer. I've used both Yes, there's a American-made Baldor motor on the Powermatic, um, and I think there's officially a Schilix cutterhead, like Schilix trademark brand name cutterhead. Mm-hmm. It's the same everything else. It's a you yellow shut coat of your paint. mouth. <laughs> it's <laughs> a yellow coat of paint compared to a Greek you, coat of paint. I, and I and <laughs> <laughs> many people tell you they're made in the same factories, you yeah, know. But there's yeah. like different lines, and and I've seen that, like like in in the, my day job, like composite decking it's all made in the same place. It just has a different label stacked on it or a yeah. different feed rate. You know, there's tiny little quality control things, but it, really what he's saying is, well, you know, I could get the 14 inch one that's supposedly better or I get a bigger one that that's crap. I don't know. I, I feel like Grizzly has is, gets an unfair rap sheet.
3: Yeah, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that the Grizzly is lower, significantly right. lower quality than the Laguna that you're really going to have a problem with it. Because yeah. a lot of the bandsaw is like I find out all the time comes down to the blade. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, yeah. what blade is on there, what kind of guides are on there, is it tuned up properly? Like that, that's where a lot of the impact is gonna be on a on a bandsaw. All right, good stuff. Well, that just about does it for us. Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler, family owned since 1954. Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use I got to got to change it up once in a while guys. I read the same thing every time. Uh oh, do visit you? visit rockler.com Didn't I you notice? and use the cuz you're not listening. You never <laughs> listen to me anymore. God. Uh, visit rockler.com and use the code WoodTalk, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head to wood WoodTalk to enter for your chance to win that convertible benchtop router table. Yeah, get it.
1: Get after well, it, Well, I just want to say a special thank you to Cappy K6 for actually mm-hmm. sending in a legitimate dumb <laughs> question. Yeah, not I think being that a was, jerk. It was very cool. Um, and I would love to actually see that. This this came from an honest, sincere place in us. We really would like. It wasn't
3: meant to as a have, joke. <laughs> it wasn't meant as a joke.
1: Don't get me wrong. We love the jokes. We know our audience. We know that's going to happen. That's great. <laughs> we like we should. Know, have known. I mean, the jokes are funny. Th- th- this this was spawned out of a out of a, a conversation where Mark got a dumb question. I'm not going to say what the question was, but and it, you know we were like, oh wow, that's a dumb question. But then you you kind of have to think back. 15 years and go, you know, it wasn't a dumb question to somebody. And there are so many new woodworkers. Uh, we actually just had a conversation with Rockler. Believe it or not, they actually wanted to talk to us and they're happy with us. And the, the theme of it was there's lots of new woodworkers, like really new woodworkers. So there's going to be a lot of people out there with questions that a lot of us may find to be dumb, but they're not dumb to them. So we actually would, I would love to feature some dumb questions on a future show. So please send us dumb questions. <laughs> I know, I know just by calling them dumb questions, we're scaring people off. But, send in your oh. dumb
3: questions. <laughs> yeah. We have Next a special
1: Special inbox for dumb questions. There's going to be a
3: Fiverr song about dumb questions. It's it's going to be a whole thing. Uh,
1: Mark has already filled out the form. That's why he he was typing. I'm already. working on it right now <laughs> I'm Fiverr right yeah. now. So send us <laughs> yeah. your dumb questions. Go to woodtalkshow.com. Fill out the form. Send in the dumb question. Feel free to title it my dumb question if you want. That'd be great. Or you can record your dumb question and email it to (laughs) woodtalkshow at gmail.com. But if you go to Instagram, don't ask dumb questions there. Sorry. Mm Got to draw a line there. Unless you go to Matt Cremona's Instagram and you can send your dumb questions there. That's a
3: good place to put them. He won't answer it anyway. And I (laughs) think
1: you're already sending (laughs) the dumb questions to Mark's Instagram.
3: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Cockbead.
0: Whoa! Oh! <laughs> Easy! <laughs>